Live from Seville, this is The Twilight Show with Harry Waters and you are listening live. Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good night, uh, good morning, possible, somewhere, probably. Um, it must be morning somewhere. I don't really know. Uh, I hope you are all well. Lovely to see that our uh, guest is already here So um, and the audio is working. It feels like it is a good day so far today. Um, I am smiling out loud. Um, so hello everybody. Uh, it's been a while. It's been two weeks again. That's another two weeks off. And it may well be two weeks until the next show, um, but it's okay because you're going to want to listen to this show again and again um, for a fortnight just to make sure all of it has fully sunk in. So what has happened in the last two weeks? Oh, a lot's happened in the last two weeks and a lot more is coming up in the next week and a bit really. Uh, very, very exciting times, uh, these these ends of May days. Uh, they're lovely. So at the moment, um, well, obviously, uh, this is a week of lives. This is the first of five live sessions over the next three days. Um, tomorrow, I'll be doing a, uh, a live lesson twice um, for, for Macmillan. And then on Friday, of course, you can join Renewable English for Lesson 3 in Cultivating Changemakers. Um, I've also been doing other bits and bobs and bits and pieces. Um, the most exciting thing, uh, I have to say, has nothing to do um, with me or uh, teaching, <laughs> may I say, either. Um, it is, in fact, my wife's first ever photo exhibition, which is super, super exciting. She just turned around and told me to stop talking about it. She's doing the, the cut sign to stop talking. So if you are in Seville, do come and check it out next Thursday um, from 8.30. It's absolutely awesome. It's called Wonderland. It's brilliant. Um, so come along, uh, it's going to be great. So she's been preparing for that and I've been watching from the sidelines uh, and uh, admiring and enjoying the, the work that she's doing um, and yeah, noticing just how difficult it is to put on uh, a photography exhibition. Not something I've ever done or think I'll ever do, mostly because I'm quite rubbish at taking photos. Um, and when your wife's a photographer, you don't really need to. Um, other than that, what's coming up? Oof. So, as I mentioned, there's Renewable English and there is lots of writing in the on the cards. Oh, our class that we've got uh, here, our young learners class, we're going into our final unit. Um, and we've got, so throughout the year, we've been doing lots of bits and pieces about the environment. But our final unit is an environmentally focused one where we're going to um, pretend develop an, an app um, because uh, at the moment they're, six and seven so i'm not sure what the uh, ability is for that but anyway we're going to make a pretend one because they love making phones and playing on phones and stuff like that and it's going to be what they can do within their sphere of influence to uh to save the planet um so a bit of cultivating change makers there as well which is lovely and then so the day after my wife's exhibition, which happens to be our ninth wedding anniversary. Congratulations to us. Thank you very much. A special congratulations to Hema. She's put up with me for nine years of wedding, of wedding, of marriage. Um, a nine-year wedding, that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? And also terrible. All those people in the room for that long. Oof. Not sure I could deal with that. Um, so yeah, congratulations to, to her and of course me um, for being a very lucky person. But the day after, we are going to Paris. Um, there... There is a, a climate summit there, 
So um, I'll be speaking at that. It's called Change Now. And we decided that what we'd do would be kind of combine the the, the fact that we're going to be in Paris and have, you know, our date night while we're in Paris. Why not go out and and, and enjoy the place you are and watch the sparkly thing that the Eiffel Tower does um, after 10? It's really pretty. So that's going to be lovely and romantic and awesome. So that's something else to be excited about. Uh, otherwise, oof, I, I had, ooh, what the other thing that I did this week, another really exciting thing. Well, it was yesterday, um, yesterday evening, and I'm sure we'll hear more about it very soon from our guest. Um, but I did actually go on and record a podcast, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about very briefly. Um, it was it was great. Uh, it was super professional and wonderful, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I can't wait to listen to it when it comes out uh, in August, I believe. So keep your ears peeled for that one. And your eyes, actually, because it has video as well. So um, unlike Teachers Talk Radio, where you can't look at me frantically flailing around in front of a computer screen. Um, however, that said, I will be introducing um, our guest very shortly. Uh, but do stick around because we have a lovely bit of news that I would also like to talk about too. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and wellbeing tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Sats have made the news again as many media outlets report on allegations that children were distraught after the reading paper. The BBC website reports that parents and teachers of Year 6 pupils said the paper was difficult and that it had left some pupils in tears. In response to concerns, the Department for Education said it worked to ensure that all tests are appropriate. Whilst some parents took to social media to highlight concerns, a few also acknowledged that the tests might be good in a way to have some kind of tests before GCSE, but the schools in general are under too much pressure to perform well. Copies of the test paper cannot be published until all pupils in Year 6 have had the chance to take it. Sarah Hannafin, Head of Policy for the National Association of Head Teachers, said the union was very concerned about the paper and it would be raising concerns with the Standards and Testing Agency. In Scotland, Edinburgh University students have criticised the institution's response to a marking boycott. According to BBC News, students fear their work will not be read as the university plans to continue awarding degrees without necessary expertise to cope with the UK-wide industrial action. The marking boycott is part of the latest phase of industrial action by members of the University and College Union at 145 institutions across the UK. Union members are refusing to undertake marking duties and assessment-related work. In response, universities are considering a number of measures, including changing marking guidelines and basing final grades on work already submitted. Many students have expressed sympathy towards staff, but also frustration that industrial action has had little impact on anyone but students, as universities have not reopened negotiations. The University of Edinburgh said it has robust measures in place to reduce the impact of industrial action, 
and that work, including dissertations, would be read. Schools Week comment on teacher burnout after a report from Wellbeing Service Education Support shows a quarter of leaders, teachers and support staff said additional responsibilities were adding an, on average four to six hours to their working week. 15% of staff said they were spending an extra seven to 10 hours supporting pupils. The collapse in support services feeding into schools, including creaking mental health support and overwhelmed SEND services has left schools and their staff struggling to cope. Jeff Barton, General Secretary of School Leaders Union ASCOL, said schools had become the de facto and unofficial branch of social and healthcare services, but that a lack of training, resources or capacity was putting staff under considerable workload stress. The most common additional responsibilities included offering pupils and colleagues emotional support and dealing with difficult pupil behaviour. More than one quarter of staff surveyed said they had prepared food for pupils who didn't have any and 41% said they had purchased supplies such as pens, paper and school bags. In the same YouGov survey, two thirds of school staff said public bodies such as CAMS and social services had been unable to offer pupils support. Further details of the findings can be found on the Schools Week website. The Guardian reported on a proposal to recruit school leavers into healthcare service apprenticeships, which would allow tens of thousands of doctors and nurses to train on the job. The NHS workforce plan could see up to one in 10 doctors and one third of student nurses trained through this vocational path in coming years. The alternative route would circumvent the standard undergraduate or graduate route. The plans have been met with criticism by unions, but Amanda Pritchard, Chief Executive of NHS England, has been speaking to pupils at a North East Comprehensive School, where she encouraged pupils to earn while they learn, and highlighted the 350 different roles available within the NHS. Finally, in Wales, the BBC reports that the increasing cost of food means school caterers are struggling to deliver on the Welsh Government plan for universal free school meals. The unit price was set with an assumption about possible cost increases, but Education Minister Jeremy Miles said the world has obviously moved on and a further review was needed. The current rate of around £2.90 per child in a primary school is being described as no longer viable, as price increases of 20% on items like milk, cheese, fruit and vegetables take their toll. The Universal Free School Meals Plan is being rolled out in phases to all primary schools, although a target for every child in reception year one and year two to be offered a free school meal by April has been missed. The policy has been welcomed, but challenges needed to be acknowledged. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I've been searching for crazy technology. The tech I found ranges from rather funny to actually quite useful. Let's see if I can blow your mind. Everyone has probably used Google Translate at some point, even if it's just to translate a word into another language and back again to see if it changes. Well, the Google Pixel earbuds paired with the Pixel phone allow you to switch on conversation mode. Now what is being said to you in a foreign language is translated into your earbuds in real time. What you say is translated and projected via your phone. 
You do need an Android 6.0 or higher to do this, but this has potential to be a game changer for communicating not only when traveling, but in hospitality too. Next up is a quirkier invention, Smarty Pans. There aren't many things you can't connect to an app, and the frying pan is now joining the club. The Smarty Pan has a built-in scale to weigh your food as you add it to the pan, a handle that tells you when the pan is at temperature, and the app guides you through how to cook a meal you're preparing. Also, the nutritional content of your meal is calculated by the app. There's no advertised price for this pan yet, but keep your eyes peeled. It replaces a cookbook, reading the nutrition on a packet, and your kitchen scales, as long as you fry everything. My final crazy technology is the Hush Me. This is an invention for those concerned about being overheard by others when talking on their phone or other connected devices. It works by muffling your voice so others can't hear you, keeping private conversations private. Genius, I hear you say. I need one so I can work during my commute. Before you break out the credit card, it is a rather chunky device you wrap around your whole head. I'd describe it as a pair of large headphones that connect to a cup to cover your mouth. At just over £180 and making you look like Darth Vader, you may want to do a bit of research first. Do you know of any crazy tech? Do you own any? As always, why not get in touch at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you very much, uh, Steve, for your um, your forever enjoyable technology update. Um, as an English teacher, uh, I, I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of the idea of someone putting in earbuds and having everything immediately translated for them. Uh, also, as a fan of learning languages and getting to know other cultures and, and all those things. Um, but yeah, never mind. Uh, <laughs> technology can be pretty awesome, but also very scary. So I am going to bring in our guest now. Um, Laura, I'm going to I have to unmute you first. Uh, I'd like to welcome Laura Wilk to the show. Um, lovely to have you here. Sorry, I forgot to unmute you when I was about to welcome you. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Harry. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. However, before I ask you any questions, I'm a bit concerned um, with, with two things, actually. The first thing was I tried to live tweet um, that we were on while we were um, while the, the news was on there. And my, my phone got all laggy because I'm also running Zoom off it. I'm also running Teachers Talk Radio off it. And I was pressing buttons, trying to send a tweet. Um, and I put, um, listen to at TSELPOP and I is what I thought, and I meant to write right now and so on. The keyboard went a bit screwy, like I, I pressed the button, it said, listen to T-Top Up and I lie, and then it hit send. And I was like, no, not send, not send. So I, I did then panic and jump into Twitter and delete it, probably before any of my seven followers saw it. So I would like to assure the, the seven followers that I do have, if you did see it, there won't be any lying on today's show. It will all be truthful. Um, unless Laura at some point says, I have nice hair. Um, that would be a lie. Uh, the other thing was, I've written some fairly choice language here in my notebook from listening to the news, and it was about the SATs and how children were crying because a, uh, an exam was so hard. And now, for me, okay, maybe the, the exam was too difficult and it was set at the wrong level, which isn't okay. Um, but you should you need to be able to teach your students that even if the exam's impossible and they come out with a zero and get everything wrong it's not something to cry about because it's your year six sats while they may be the most important exam you've ever done up to that point they're not the most important exam you will ever do and it all works as a, a learning thing so the stress that they're under um 
And it's the same here in Spain. So I'd like to know your opinion, Laura, about that. What do you think about that stress? Well, I think it's it's normal, isn't it, to feel a bit stressed when coming to any exams at any age. I remember the exams I did when I was um, in my primary years for speech and drama, which meant I had to go on stage and deliver a poem and a, a short verse in front of an audience. It was incredibly intimidating and, and high stakes and not getting the, the result I wanted was disappointing. So it's normal to feel that way, but it mm-hmm. depends on like how it's handled afterwards and just knowing that it isn't the be all and end all. And that, you know, there's other things that you can do. You can even retake exams. It's not the end of the world. So I think it's normal to feel that initial disappointment that probably students are feeling right now, but how they kind of move beyond that to think about, you know, what they're going to do next and how they're going to learn from it. There's no failure. Only learning um, is a positive way of uh, interpreting it. Uh, very wise, very mm. sage. Um, fantastic words. Um, much better than my, that's nonsense. Um <laughs> probably you know a bit more rational than that um so thank you for that um and now let us begin uh with with you who are you and how did you get to where you are well i'm the uh, voice behind tesor pop so as you mentioned at the start of your show we recorded an episode yesterday harry which is fantastic i'm looking forward to releasing that so tesor pop is a bite-sized podcast 15 minutes and it's designed to equip teachers who are obviously busy, we all are busy, of course, with information about um, career trends, industry trends, or indeed teaching tips. I'm, I'm smiling now because you may be able to hear my neighbour has actually just started drilling right now. So sorry about oh, that. Oh yeah, too. I can hear that. It's all good. It's nice. I like it. It's, it's relaxing. Yeah. It's good for, <laughs> it's good for, you know, meditating and so on and so forth. It's a nice dull tone. Um, so that's that's one part of what I do and I've just left my corporate career and I'm actually starting on my own business as a coach so I help people with their public speaking and also uh, leadership and communication skills so I do a bit of different type of coaching depending on what the client needs. Fantastic so that's where you are but mm-hmm. how did you get there? How did I get there? Well it's it's been a bit of a journey because I started teaching English um, to speakers of other languages back in 2009. I think my story is quite familiar for a lot of people who may have started in the industry because I finished university, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had a friend who said, hey, do you know about this British Council teaching assistant program? I think you'd love it. I think it'd be a really good way for you to explore um, opportunities out there and also travel at the same time. And I thought, you know, why not? Let's, let's give that a go. And surprisingly got the job, which posted me in Guangzhou in China. And I loved it. I fell in love with it. I was so lucky. I got an amazing college where I taught um, adult students, undergrads and postgraduates. Um, Some were returning to university to update their English skills because they were English teachers themselves, which was incredibly intimidating to face them in my first year of teaching. But they were so lovely and I learned so much from them. It was very much a two way um, learning experience and that's what made me realize like hey this is what i want to do and since then i've been in education working mainly in in english language teaching but also doing a bit of drama that's where the public speaking comes in and mm-hmm. i've been very fortunate to have traveled and taught in different places mostly in the south of china so i've been in guangzhou um, macau hong kong um, and also now i've moved over to switzerland uh, where up until recently, I've been working with a, a large online um, English teaching company, supporting all the teachers that teach on that platform. So it's been a real interesting journey. 
that's what I want to kind of keep it short because we could talk for ages about it and I, I realize we've got other stuff to talk about but that's just the kind of short end of it that's okay we, yeah we can I, I could go on and on about um that 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 Teffel story almost um yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen like um oh, there's a show on Netflix that's all about extreme rooms or something and like you know the, the the houses look crazy on the inside it's like crazy interiors or something like that or wild interiors and before the reveal of almost every single house they all say it's not you know from the outside you'd never imagine what was on the inside right mm-hmm. they all say that they all say that and then what's on the inside is something crazy but also very different now, mm-hmm. I see that with like so many guests within like with this Teffel story, everybody's like, you probably know the Teffel story, Finnish university, da, da, da. and it goes from like that initial motivation of, you know, I don't really know what to do next to suddenly this like world, this magical world that all these different people have had and they've been to Guatemala or they've been to China. or they've been... And it's such an amazing thing to see with so many different people that, that I get to speak to and, and so many wonderful stories come from it. Yeah, that's really true. I was thinking about this before we like signed on today and I was thinking like just how exciting it was when I was in China at the time. It, some of the jobs I got in addition to my teaching were really kind of out there. So I've recorded a whole audio for a textbook that's out there. Yep. My name is Angle I did that. Tan. <laughs> it wasn't Angel, they spelled it Angle, so we committed to it. And that was the most awkward uh, voice acting I've done with my uh, peer teacher ever. That, but that was so much fun. You've done it too, right? You, there's, I've there's done it too. Books. I did it in yeah. China and Vietnam. <laughs> um, my friend, he was a model. Um, he did some face mask modeling. You too, you're, you're nodding. Yep. Did, I did a bit of well. It, it was I had to. I, I lived in a in a place called um, Guzhen, and it was like the lighting capital of China. Yeah. And they had the annual light fair every year, where people from all over the world would come, and they needed like a few infomercials. So they were like, "Can you do these? Can you be like an engineer?" So they they dressed me up as an engineer, and I was like, "Yeah, hi, engineer <laughs> guy." Um, so yeah, also did that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wonder if you can beat this. My friend also uh, did some diet pills uh, um, commercials as well, where he just had to suck in his tummy for the like after, like the before and after comparison, which uh, he didn't live down throughout the whole time that we we were hanging out with him in China. So that was good fun. Yeah, I, d- I didn't get that far. Um, no, uh, but yeah, there were there were there were so many like. I don't want to call them agents, but like people hovering around the bars where there were lots of um, should we say maybe uh, people from other countries, basically? Um, mm-hmm. So there were always so many of my friends were like, "Oh, I spoke to an agent today," and it seemed like it was every day somebody different was speaking yeah. to an agent. And you know, I, after a year of, of that, and then I, I lived another year in Vietnam. When I, when I moved to Australia, suddenly I thought that everybody would you know want to talk to me, and you know, wow, this guy. Just suddenly, I was just this normal, incredibly skinny dude like in the street, and I was like, oh. life is different in many different places in the Mm -hmm. world isn't it wonderful um so yeah I've I've gone on a tangent there um I apologize Um, like you say it's really fun to kind of explore these stories it's such an exciting journey isn't to go to these places and I can completely relate to your um comment about agents like we had agents coming up to us on the MTR on the underground train just saying like hey you look like you could be a model like "Mm, really okay (laughs) 
Thanks. <laughs> yeah, just go with it. Yeah, a lot of fun stories. Can I take a photo with you? Yeah, okay, that sure. Yeah. yeah. Feel famous. <laughs> I, lo- I love it. If anyone ever asked to have a photo with me, even to this day, even when you're out with mates and they're like, let's have a photo. It's like, oh, wow. Someone wants a photo <laughs> with me. I'm semi famous. I'm not at all. Um, so, yeah. Swerving swiftly back onto the road, um, as we appear to have left it, uh, you mentioned something about coaching. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, we are talking teacher, trainer, mentor, coach, um, has a very nice ring to it. Uh, and we're going to talk about what the difference is and why does it matter. Now, I'll, I've not got a huge idea of what the difference is between the different things, but I've been thinking about it. Um, I didn't want to go on and look for definitions because mm-hmm. I'd like to get your definition and I'd, I'd like you to tell me how wrong I am, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Do you want to go first and tell me what your understanding is? I think the mentor coach one is usually the one that gets confused the most. Yeah, for me, like the teacher is generally like the person who who would, and I've got very big inverted commas here, like impart knowledge to a student, you know, so they're, they're passing on this knowledge. Of course, there are lots of other facets to being a teacher. It isn't just, you know, filling words into people's brains but for me the trainer is the person who helps people be able to do that so the teacher is the person that puts the knowledge into brains and the trainer is the person that helps people know how to put the knowledge into the brains if you see what I mean um so kind of like a puppet master almost um so that's for, for me the difference between teacher and trainer is that so often as a trainer you are teaching people how to do something but what mm-hmm. you tend to be teaching them is how to teach someone how to do something when it comes yeah. to, for my training for the training that I do is you know I don't usually go in and spout out facts about the environment you know maybe in a as a teacher I would go in and talk about facts about this individual part of the environment but as a trainer I would go in and teach broader like a much broader sense of ways you can teach about the environment and different areas you can approach that's much broader um okay now for the difficult two i've made i've already made the first two sound difficult enough um with my verbal diarrhea um okay now these are really hard um i spent a while thinking about this now i don't know why but for me the, the mentor seemed as somebody who kind of shows you almost their their way of doing something. So they know how they do it and they work in that. So you mentor them to show them how to do that particular thing. You know, yeah. so if I am like really good at making pens, which I'm not, but if I were and like somebody else like, I really want to be good at making pens, I feel I could be a mentor and like help and share and show them Whereas a coach feels like it's more than that. It feels like a coach is there to help you get to whatever your goal is. I mean, obviously a mentor is helping you get to your goal, but it's more tailored to the person you're coaching of how to get them there. Whereas a mentor is kind of like showing what they know and obviously how to be the best person you can as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So they're my very short dictionary definition snapshots of what I think they are. 
decipher those if you can. Oh, that's brilliant. Thanks for getting us started. I think it's good that you kind of mentioned in terms of like the settings as well. So the whole teacher role that you mentioned, like imparting knowledge or facilitating the learning process, I think is a really good way of describing it. Um, the way I've interpreted teacher and trainer is also thinking about the settings that we normally encounter these terms. I think that's also important as well. And of course, for listeners, these terms may be used interchangeably depending on where they are in the world. These aren't always fixed and there may be slightly different interpretations. So these are my own and not uh, any particular definitions, but I think it's good for people to reflect on if it applies to them or if, if there's some slight nuances. So for a teacher, we normally have a syllabus that we follow. There's a certain subject with intended learning outcomes and assessments. So you mentioned in the news earlier, or sorry, the news segment, I should say, mentioned the SATs. That's an example of um, an assessment that would be tied to a curriculum and a syllabus to help students obviously demonstrate their learning um, in those assessments. So in that context, that was a really kind of good example to pick because when we think about teachers, we often think about the compulsory education system. Mm -hmm. um, state level exams, those high <laughs> high uh, stake ex exams that we're referring yeah. to. Um, and yeah, young learners and, and teenagers. So that's normally where you're going to encounter that role of teacher. Not the only place, but it, it's going to be probably quite common. Whereas trainer, this is, think about teachers. Um, you go through a teacher training program and you learn the process of teaching, you'll have trainers. Or if you go and start a new school or a language centre, you have a trainer who will do your induction training normally and also be responsible for your ongoing development. So that person will be showing you, I'm, I'm going to use the example of a, of a teacher trainer. Um, mm -hmm. show you it how works to, for me. I, yeah. I know what they do. Exactly. So like the administrative process, they'll show you how to do that as well as uh, where the resources are, how to use those resources about the learners in that particular school context. And then later down the line, once you've kind of gotten into the rhythm of teaching at that specific uh, location or in that particular school network, they'll, they're usually responsible for your ongoing professional development. So they may arrange um, ongoing series of workshops or a conference, or they may also coordinate mentor groups, which I'll talk about mentoring in a moment. Are, are you familiar with that experience yourself when you've been teaching in spaces that you've had some sort of induction training? Yeah, yeah, there's there's almost always um, <laughs> induction training. Sometimes it, it can be the most painful experience of your life if it's done yes. badly, which it yeah. very often is. Um, mm -hmm. For me, the worst was I had. I've had so many experiences of it. A few of them I've run myself, which must have been the worst ones of all um, for the people attending, obviously. Uh, but it, it was often that it would be one person who'd be doing it, and it'd be like three days of mm. like training, and it'd just be almost very dull because you want yeah. different ideas and different sessions. So. What I would always try and do, if it was more than just a one-day induction where you have to look at, I don't know, how to log on the system and, you know, those those technical parts, I'd try and get other aspects, other areas, you know, people have interest to do that. So if it was the logging in thing, there'd be somebody to teach the logging in thing, one of the, the teachers who knows how to do it. Um, but then I'd also have, like, you know, useful first day of class activities. So that would be another teacher would be doing that. Um and all of these other areas that would hopefully try and not only encourage the, the people who are there in the training session, but, 
but it would encourage them to maybe want to do it the next year where they could come and they could give a session or something like that. Um, and it just wasn't as boring. It's just sitting there all day listening to endless nonsense that you don't really care about and you want to leave. So, I yeah, think, that's happened as well. Yeah, I, I think that experience definitely resonates with me and I'm sure it does with a lot of the listeners that not all training um, has the attention to engagement, basically. As adults, we also want... Uh, variety we seek engagement and there's also a lot of power within this the room itself adults bring a whole load of experience and transferable skills to that room so really tapping into that and finding ways to inspire that through different interactions different people coming in different types of tasks is really important but it seems to be forgotten from when we leave school to then go into the professional training scenarios whether it's for teaching or training onto a, a new job if you work in finance for example it is a lot of talking but training isn't talking it shouldn't be talking um it's not lectures i mean that's more of a professor lecturer role it can be proportionately that but not it shouldn't be all all that and i think it's good that you thought of creative ways to kind of involve other people and have different expertise and inspire people um about different topics nice one harry Thank you very much. Um, we, we've got someone called Jake who's trying to call in. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask Jake what his question is, and then we'll, we'll invite him on if it's a because yeah, um, it would be lovely to hear from Jake. Um, so what's what's your question, mate? There we go. Um, and in the meantime, uh, mentor versus coach. My my get my my guess. I was going to say adivination there because. Adivina is guess in Spanish, uh, and I was spanglicizing it. I just did that, like, literally out loud. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, my explanation of mentor and coach, I, 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 was, I was clutching. I was clutching at straws there. Um, no, but so, you, yeah. I think you're really, really spot on. You describe the mentor relationship as more of a guidance role. So we typically see this between somebody who is more senior, not necessarily older, but just somebody who's more experienced and someone more junior. So we do see this in schools where you've done your induction training and then you get paired with a more experienced teacher normally. And that's your mentor. And the whole purpose of the mentor is to, yeah, give you guidance on things like the administration, on things like classroom management, uh, because you, you're still new and you're still learning things. And you may be still kind of um, familiarizing yourself with a particular way of teaching that that school or that language center particularly wants to uh, follow. So your mentor can be there as a great a guide and source of support that may observe you and give you feedback all in the interest of helping you get comfortable in the role and uh, yeah level up so you can feel more independent basically so we see these mental relationships quite a lot in schools and also in other in other industries too now i've got a question about mentoring um what about reverse mentoring now this is something that i've i've seen quite a lot of in the environmental sphere recently with um lots of uh, people um, looking to uh, younger people to come in and bring advice on on what can be done yeah. within the corporate environment, for example. Um, so lots of people, people like Clover Hogan um, have been invited in uh, to, to help with eco-anxiety and things like that. So what's your opinion on, on that? And how do you think we could integrate that? It's brilliant. And it's, it's still mentoring. So like I said at the start, I think some people may have the perception that a mentor is someone who's older, but that's mm -hmm. not the case at all. A mentor is just somebody who is um, more experienced or in this case, reverse mentoring. You've got the younger generation 
influencing um, other other industries and the older generation. Um, that's just a case of just bringing a different perspective. Yeah, uh, and really different insightful. knowledge as well. Yeah, and often when you kick ideas around with different groups of people uh, from different backgrounds and different age groups, you're often going to come out with something really a lot more interesting than what you would be able to come up with yourself. So I think it's a really positive thing and it could be a great way to generate really creative solutions to particularly challenging problems. Yeah, it, it, for me, it's just, it's fantastic to see. And and from my point of view, the ability to learn from so many people of, of you know, Gen Z folk, um, well, e- even my daughter, I'm learning from her every single day, yeah. like, so uh yeah it's it's super super important that we we take that on board so we've got mentor now we've got that written up on our little board yeah i mean there's one left um i'm picturing big strapping basketball guy super jock yeah hey coach (laughs) who everybody calls coach that's what i've got in my mind right now um Is that the certificate that you have behind you, by the way, that I can see that no one else can? I, I wish, I wish. No, but that, that's a really good point you raised because the word coach can mean different things in different contexts. So yes, it could be a sports coach uh, in, in the context of maybe the United States. I think it's used a lot there, right? But the coach- I don't know why, about, but I've got the need to like beat myself on the on the chest and just cheer yeah, after that whole yeah. analogy. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's do this. You need a basketball hoop now in your office, like to just... yeah. I could just throw it at my ring light. Won't yeah. work. Just chuck it in there. Um, but I interrupted you, which was not a very nice thing to do. Um, so there are the sports coaches, but there yeah. are other coaches too, aren't they? And we're not talking about the big ones with wheels. No, no, exactly. So unlike a mentor, a coach is somebody who obviously supports a client. Uh, that's that could be a teacher. It depends on who the client is. It could be anybody. And it helps them go from good to great. That's another way of thinking about it. So it's very much a client-driven conversation or interaction. And the role of the coach is to partner with the client to help them achieve their goals. And they'll do this normally by asking very thought-provoking questions, by encouraging them to take accountability, set action plans, and to, yeah, hold themselves accountable to what they want to achieve and really kind of give them a bit of a push. And the wonderful thing about coaching, um, I've, I've been coached, I, I have a coach, I'm also a coach, is that you, you can really achieve incredible things and redefine what you may have set for yourself and go beyond your own limitations that you often we often put in, in our lives, thinking, oh, I can't do that, or I'm too old for this, or I'm too late to do this, that kind of thing, to really go beyond that and achieve marvellous things. That's certainly been my experience and the experience I've seen in my clients too. So just to kind of clarify, unlike a mentor, which these two are often often very much blurred in the workplaces, and it's really important to kind of distinguish these. A coach won't direct the client. The conversation is directed by the client. So I open up conversations, for example, by saying, what would you like to focus on today? By the end of today's session, what do you want to have achieved? What would that look like? So it's very much empowering the client, whereas a mentor would be more of a guide and they'll have maybe certain things and a certain role and a certain standard in mind to help the mentee to get to. So it's it's very different. Um, we don't really want to blur the lines, but I think too often those lines are blurred. In, in workplaces, they call it coaching, but actually it's mentoring and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, two horrible words you used there, plans and accountability. Um, mm. Sounds like coaching is, oof, that's difficult. Um, 
They're two really long words for me, plans and accountability. Um, I'm not a huge fan of either of them. That's a joke, by the way. Of course, I'm, I'm fine with accountability. Um, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so in terms of of teaching and, and coaches, mm. where do you think the... Where do you think that the twain should meet? Um, because as a teacher, it's it's much easier to find a mentor than it would be to find a coach, um, perhaps. Although I guess it depends on what your ambitions are. Uh, maybe uh, I think that has been the case. I've been I've looked for coaches, but I found mentors before, um, and also great great mentors. But I think it's not always easy to find a coach, and not everybody's trained to be a coach. There's certain ways in which, um, you, you know, certain methods you can use, certain approaches you can use to try and empower the, the client and to pr- push them and to really push that deeper reflection um, as a coach. And I don't think everybody's all, always gone through that training. And as a result, they may end up not listening, not really leaning into that active listening, not really um, asking the questions and, and maybe leading the conversation too much. But where it can really work, though, and I think there's a lot of power in creating spaces for teachers to coach each other with a bit Mm -hmm. of training on like what active listening is, what sort of questions we can ask and what sort of frameworks we can use in coaching. That could be really powerful, particularly for teachers who, you know, when I got to my third, fourth year of teaching, I, I kind of felt that I'd hit a bit of a plateau in a way. And, you know, trying to work out what I wanted to focus on next and get excited about in my teaching would be a really good example of where a coach could come in and help me set some goals and really identify what I'm passionate about and how I can bring that to my profession. That's an example of where it could be quite special, particularly with um, teachers who may feel that they've just, you know, hit a bit of a brick wall with their, with their careers. I think that could be a really good way to, to inspire them. Yeah, it's for, for me that that four or five year mark that you're talking about, I, I remember it well. And, and at the time it was, OK, so now it's I can become a director of an academy um, and do my Delta. And that's mm-hmm. it. Uh, that suddenly that was what I saw. That were the only options because living here in Spain, you know, I didn't see any opportunities outside of that. Um, I couldn't live the Spanish dream, which is to become a civil servant. Um, the true Spanish dream, live the dream, because teachers here are civil servants, so you basically get a reasonably well-paid job for life as long as you sit a, a public exam. Um, the system is horrible and leads to terrible teachers. Um, but teachers that don't leave their jobs because they, it's it's very well-paid and they can't get sacked. Um, but anyway, regardless of that, like it feels like that would be a great space within those teachers who are kind of there and sitting there and they're comfortable to have a coach come in and show them what else they can achieve and, and what else they, they can do. Um, even if it's not to be the director of the academy or the, the head teacher of the school. Exactly. That's a really good example. Like questioning what to do in your career and what the opportunities are and figuring out what works for you, setting research goals um, to kind of explore different avenues is a really good way that a coach can support you. You mentioned a coach coming in to that conversation, and that's mm-hmm. also really important. I've been in situations where I've been a, an academic leader or director, and I've also been in, in a coaching situation with my team. It's really difficult to do that as a manager or do that where there's some sort of a responsibility or reporting 
in that relationship because let's say let's say i'm i'm your manager and and you're on my team and, you are my um, manager i am on your yeah. team <laughs> just for example um and uh, you you've you've come to me to ask questions about um your career and you 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 want to figure out what you want to do next but we we just had a conversation the other day about something that was quite sensitive and there's a bit of an overhang about that if there's a problem between you and i that problem will come up in the coaching session and mm-hmm. that's why it's really good to try and have somebody outside of that circle who isn't involved in the day to day I don't want to call it politics, but, you know, the ups and downs that goes with work to really just be with that person. And, you know, without that overhang of other issues that may be happening in the workplace or school to really be present for that person and present for helping them achieve their goals. Otherwise, often things become a bit too murky um, with the day to day running of work. And it's I know managers are put in situations where they do have to coach as well. It is really challenging and you have to just kind of literally put everything outside the room you know imagine that you're stepping over an imaginary boundary as soon as you step mm-hmm. into that room with that person to coach them and put any issues that you may have existing aside as, as best you can but it's not always easy to do no when, when i listen to this it seems to me like coaching is generally like it's a it's a one-to-one thing like it seems like it would work best as a one-to-one thing because i've seen so many i think everyone is a coach on linkedin nowadays um there's so many coaches on there and loads of them offering huge group coaching sessions now i'm not exactly sure how that would work surely that's more of a trainer setting than a coach because unless it's a football coach and they're training for football but i don't know how you can focus on individual goals and be an active listener to a group of 10 or 15 people yeah particularly if those people are expected to coach each other as well without those skills of coaching again it could lead to mentoring or training or teaching and and not actually be coaching and therefore not be in the best interest of the client you may have scenarios where you're coaching a team but you're coaching the team and the dynamic of the team like what they want to achieve as a team and that's a different Mm -hmm. setting that goes into executive coaching so, you know, I may go into a company and I've got a particular, like, let's say the marketing team and they want to work on uh, really clarifying their goals and how they communicate to each other. That's an, a great example of bringing the people together to, to work on that, address that and think about what they want to achieve and how they're going to do it and how they work together to achieve it. Um, in other scenarios where you've got individual plans and individuals that need the coaching it's very difficult to give them that attention it's certainly something that i don't do not saying it's not impossible i just haven't seen it Mm -hmm. in practice where it works but i'm I'm open to to hearing otherwise though i think it's always good to keep an open mind yeah i i wonder if like uh, having a coach come in would work for i don't know a school that's working that has i don't know some behavioral issues for example Mm -hmm. would um would it work in that setting like on a school setting or would that again be more a kind of training thing would would a coach work for that would that be another way of of getting around it because well often it's it's actually the whole school culture in general um that that develops that but let's take it down to a language academy for example um something a lot smaller than than a big school um could there maybe be coaching involved about that classroom management side of things and behavior side of things yeah, I think so. I think there could be an opportunity to explore how 
uh, teachers come together and think about what sort of behavior they they would like to see what they're not seeing so what the towards goal is so in coaching we always think about what we move, want to move towards and not away from um and how we can like really visualize that and put actions and, and wording in place that moves us and helps the students to move towards that vision so absolutely that that would be a very good scenario for that um and now i want to know so we talk a lot about active listening um and for me somebody recently asked me you know what makes a, a great teacher um and i was like there's lots of different things that make a good teacher firstly he's bald secondly he has a beard thirdly he wears hats and a shirt there you go that's literally all you need to it's do you. um there you go that's all you have to do <laughs> but, but they were asking me in my experience like you know how could they they be a, you know a good or a great teacher and and the only thing that 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 really came up for me was listen to your students like to become yeah. you know you can be a good teacher by doing lots of training you can learn lots of cool new things you can know all the devices you can be a really good teacher you can be a fun teacher you know you can mm -hmm. be the most fun teacher but i don't think you can really be a good or a great teacher until you start to listen to your students and, and not just you know listen to the answer to the question that's in the textbook but listen beyond that you know find out what they actually want and and in doing that you yourself as a teacher kind of develop that role as a coach as well yeah i think it's, it's it's a coaching skill isn't it and we may even ask coaching questions in our teaching as well so we can borrow things from from that practice but actually really listening and listening doesn't mean um, necessarily always listening to what people are saying but also looking at the body language the facial expression and um, mm -hmm. that's something i look for in, in my clients when we're talking because sometimes I noticed something there's a shift i'm like oh what what happened there what what did you feel there something changed when you mentioned xyz tell me more about that and that's what listening is it's not just the act of hearing it's the act of observing as well and really taking note of of how that person may be feeling or thinking and, and giving the space a safe space for them to explore that it feels like that should be you know, one of the, the fundamentals of teaching um, <laughs> that that moment of, of actually listening, because, yeah. you know, you really can see, particularly in, in, in kids and teens, you really can see those tells of if something isn't really OK or um, if something they've said has had a, a, a big effect on them. Absolutely. I think we can all think of examples of positive and also you know sad examples where we've seen our students distressed like I was giving um, an example the other day when I was talking to Peter Fulliger about inclusive materials and the importance of inclusive materials and LGBTQ plus identities in the ELT classroom and the reason why I'm so passionate about this is I had a real moment in my teaching where um, we we're talking about families very very typical topic in the ELT books mm -hmm. and usually noticed, unit one Yes, yes. And it's, it's usually because very it's present simple as well. He mm -hmm. is this, she mm -hmm. is that. Exactly. And it, it, it's usually what sort of framework? It's a husband, wife, kids? Almost always. Almost always. We did a family lesson the other day here and all of the students had a mum, a dad and a sister. Literally all of them. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's ridiculous. We, we, we have eight students in our class, but, um, 
yeah, that is how how it is the like displayed in most textbooks. Yeah, I mean, good on for publishers for changing this. And I know the later editions of, of, of textbooks that are out there by publishers are really trying to address this and be more inclusive. And Peter Fuller goes brilliant in creating materials that also address this really well. But the reason why this stands out as a moment is I noticed there was a shift in one of my students and he looked distressed. And I was like, what's what's happening? And he's like, this, is, this isn't going to be for me, is it? Oh, there's nothing here for me. I won't ever have anybody. And that was a real crushing moment because he saw these nuclear, you know, male and female relationships and what he saw in a relationship as a gay man wasn't represented. And I think, like you say, as teachers, it's really important that we do listen and listening means also observing and noticing those shifts. So you can be like, ah, okay, no, I need to do something about this. This student needs support. We need to have a conversation. I need to support them or even celebration. Like, oh, you seem like... You're really happy about this or you seem really relieved about this tell me about that um you can really lead to some really much deeper and meaningful conversations as a result and build deeper connections with your students which is it's fundamental let's be honest if, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a good teacher if you're gonna yeah. be a great teacher it's all about those connections about and yeah. yeah and 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 that that moment you say so we we're lucky with our, our classes they're volunteer classes um we have we have two classes for the people in the village um so we can design our own materials which is great we don't have to follow the course book so when we were like we'll do family then um and it was two or three weeks ago we saved it till later in the year why not um so we, well we'll do family then that's fine uh, and save it for a while and we just decided to use you know just different materials even though everybody has this you know this same family that here you know that all the students had the same family it was like they're st- still all different for a start because every family is different. Also, there are other families in the world. So, you know, if if in any of your cases, when you're a bit older, you know, maybe you'll, there might be a divorce. There might be, um, you know, there might be same-sex couples in your family. There are all sorts of things that might happen. Um, but we live in this, this tiny bubble of our 7,000-person village. So um, it's... It's quite difficult at times, but it's so important. And and looking for those those moments in the classes where you can find that connection and, and listening yeah. for those different things. And I've also realised that goes so far beyond just the, you know, at the start of the year in ELT, we always have that about me page. I don't know if it's in every other subject as well. It probably is. It's probably a typical start of the year thing where it's about me and it's, you know, here, this is me. This is my pet. My favorite color is red. Um, I am 39 years old. Um, you know, those basic things. My favorite dinosaur is a triceratops, obviously. Uh, so cool, like mega rhino. Um, so they've got all these different things, but that usually, that is often the place that that, that stops as a teacher. You know, it, that happens. Teachers look at that and go, oh, your birthday's on the 27th of March. That's three days after mine. And they put it down and they move on to the next yeah. thing. And the next class, maybe they'll look at it and, and see, oh, they like this cartoon. I've seen that before. So they maybe miss the opportunity then and, and don't take the opportunity often enough to find those connecting moments. Mm-hmm. 
and I can understand why because obviously if we think about teachers in the UK which I know a lot of your audience are based in the UK they're often snowed down with so much work and admin that they just kind of become a part of your work where you're like okay I need to move on to this I need to fulfill this learning objective I need to demonstrate this learning objective is being fulfilled uh, particularly if I'm going to be observed next week or we're going to have Ofsted in there is a lot of pressure we don't so, say that word on here no swearing oh, thank you sorry yeah you did say you did say no swearing in Ofsted is yeah. it? Is, uh, one of those words but yeah. isn't it wonderful when we do have those opportunities and those moments to, to slow down it's kind of like slowing down to bring us closer in a way isn't it and to speed up in some ways when it comes to yeah. think about relationship building and the rapport that you have with your students and student to students too yeah, it is, it's really fundamental to you know a good classroom dynamic mm. uh, particularly when you're I'm sure it's similar with adults as well, um, but particularly when you're teaching younger people, um, you know, teens and uh, and kids, because it is such an important formative part of their lives. That's not dismissing adult students, by the way. Uh, I think they're also very important, um, but quite often they're it's a younger student will need you more um, a lot of the time. Um, more often, there will be adult students that need you again. Yes. But it's more common that a younger student will, will have that need and maybe not wish to stand up and say, hey, teacher, this is upsetting me because X, Y, Z. So, yeah, for me, that's an area where um, we can bring coaching into teaching. Um, um, and I'd like to know from you, what was it that, that made you realise that you wanted to, to coach? Well, as I mentioned, I, I have a coach. So mm -hmm. my coach helped me to explore what I wanted to get out of my life, basically. And having a coach really helped me to kind of rethink what I want to do and what I enjoy doing and what I'm passionate about and what energizes me and doesn't take away from my energy and also the point in my life I'm at, the type of work I want to do. So, you know, doing the reflective conversations with her I was able to identify I, I love working with people of course I'm going to be in education for life it's what I do it's what I get up for in the morning um, but I particularly enjoy helping people to unlock their potential and to really reimagine what's possible for them which if you don't have somebody like that in your life you sometimes don't realize just how many opportunities and possibilities there are for you that you can take and that if we remove some of those barriers that we sometimes put in ourselves, I'm not talking about people that obviously are um, still struggling to make ends meet. Coaching is for when you have got those Maslow's basics, you know, you, you've got food on the table, you've got a roof over your head, but you, you're kind of at a stage in your life where you, you may be holding yourself back through maybe you lack confidence or maybe other people have told you you can't or that you're not good enough to do something or maybe you, you are scared to try something because you're scared of failing and looking mm -hmm. silly those sort of things that's where a coach can really transform things for you and really help you to unlock and explore possibilities that you may have otherwise kept in a box and not opened and then you know on your deathbed thought oh gosh I really wish I'd just done that we should have done that one thing yeah um that is amazing we're going to continue talking in a moment if that's okay uh we will be back very shortly um because I really want to know um I've got a few. I've got a few more questions. That I, I've got some burning questions that I really need to ask you. So we'll be back very shortly. This program has been brought to you by the Happy Confident Company. 
Our clinically approved, ready-to-go wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and wellbeing tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. We are back um, and the burning questions. Now, you mentioned um, coaching is is for when you're trying to move on to that kind of next thing um, or you're not next thing necessarily, but trying to find where you want to be. Um, and it's when you've got the, those basics ready on, you know, food on the table, etc. cetera. Um, so it's not like a, I was about to say it's a bit like going to the dentist. Um, I should go to the dentist more often. And I know you went to the dentist yesterday. Um, so, <laughs> but something that you really can do to, to make your life much better. Now, I do have a question for those people who maybe can't quite, aren't quite making ends meet because, you know, times are, are tough at the moment. Even putting mm-hmm. food on the table can be really tricky. Well, we're all struggling. Um, So I wonder if there are any kind of home coaching or self coaching techniques that you might be able to, to suggest for for some of the the people that are listening. Um, I don't want you don't have to give away all all your tips and and, and everything and like do yourself out of a job or anything. But just some like first steps of, of what maybe people could start to do so they can make a plan properly and they can be more accountable for for that plan and not just turn over to the next page and write a new plan and ignore the one they've made before not that I've ever done that yeah yeah sure no I think that's a good question like to think about how we can take these aspects of coaching and apply it if we if we don't have access to a coach and I, I fully understand that not everybody does some points in your life you do some points you don't I'm, I'm very fortunate at this point I was able to access one and it was very uh, it was very eye-opening for me and I hope I do the same for my clients too so some things that people can try at home I think when you're thinking about um, your goals and your vision a good way to do this is by doing a, a wheel of life so mm-hmm. maybe if your listeners have a pen and paper or something to draw with at the moment you can draw I'm, I'm doing it right now great great this is a really simple activity you can use. so I would like to draw a, a big circle and I would like you to then draw a pizza slice like so imagine you're slicing up like a pizza but into how many slices now that I'd like you to decide yourself because I would like you to fill those slices with things that are important to you in life. Oof. So I'm not, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to direct you on this. I'd like you to tell me an example. Okay, but like I'm just, I'm thinking about it like it could either be four or eight basically because otherwise it won't be even and that will look really funny. Oh, that, that's okay. You can if I do several wheels if you want to. That's if I do, fun. if I do it into eight am I allowed to maybe join a few of them together so it's actually like sure. six okay yeah, of course just of course. just I'm gonna do it in pencil so I don't ruin it so I don't make a mess in my scrappy notebook that I have here okay <laughs> so I've got eight slices but I might not use all of them I might okay. give someone to somebody else who needs some slices of my life that's, that's very generous I won't give my life to anyone else um Set my family. Anyway, sorry, I've got my pizza. And so what would you like to fill that pizza with? What are the important things in your life that you'd like to label those slices as? Okay, so we're talking about like 
is family a thing or am I talking my wife and my daughter? Because to me, they are the same, but also different. It, it's completely down to you how you want to, to term it. If you want to have it as separate things, you're welcome to. Otherwise, you can put it as family. But this is something I want you to you to create. So you determine. Oh, okay. I'm doing them individually okay. uh, because they are individuals uh, and they have their own individual needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what, else? what else would you say? I'm putting you on the spot, but what else? Work, you... I guess, is important. Okay. Um, yeah, great. So that could be it's another kind of, sa- kind of sad that that came out third, isn't it? Uh, Why is that? I don't know. Should there not be something more important than work after my family? Like, why should that be my... But then within work, there are different aspects of work. Mm. There's also like the charity work that I do, which is super important to me. So um, I'm going to put that separately and not within yeah. work. Because there's like work that's... Okay, I'm changing work to renewable English. There we go. So my work, yeah. that my passion is there high on the list. Um, then there's charity work and then there's work work. So there's three different types of work, basically. No, it's good that you're thinking about these because these may mean different things to you. So this is a really good activity that you're demonstrating for listeners. And I encourage people to populate this wheel of life with things that are important to you and how you granular you want to be with it is is up to you. What I'd like you to do with those things now is I'd like you to rate, rate and you don't have to share this, Harry, but just quietly rate on a scale of one to 10 with one being not satisfied or with one being not great and 10 being superb, where you're at with these things. So for example, if I took um, my work, I would rate it as a six at the moment. It's at a six. I'm relatively happy with it. I'm obviously just getting started. I've got to figure out a few things. So mine's at a six. I'm not going to ask you to share yours because it, it's private to you. I don't mind sharing. It's fine. It's all good. If you, if you feel comfortable to, you're welcome to. I think in terms of renewable English, I'm again. I'm at about a six. I'm happy-ish, but there are. I know there's a lot more that I can do if mm. I structure my time better and also don't have as much other work to do. But I am getting an intern starting next week, so I'm sure That's she's going to help and be my mentor and teach me to do things. Um, so I've got a six for that. And then for charity work, I've got a seven because I feel like I'm doing all right, um, could do more. And then my actual work, like my work work, my mortgage pay work, I give myself like an eight or a nine because there's enough and I'm doing okay there and I don't want to do any more unless anyone's got a really good deal that they want to call me with for loads of money and hardly any work um otherwise um yeah fantastic okay so we've done the first two steps you've populated your wheel of life you've divided it into pizza slices and you labeled it and now you've rated how you feel about it where it's at right now the next thing I'd like you to do is now put where you'd like it to be so you mentioned one of those numbers was actually quite good. You may not want to change that at all. You may be like, oh, actually, it's fine. But there may be others where you feel actually it's a bit misaligned with where I want it to be. So I'd like you now using the scale of one to 10 to maybe put it alongside it or in a different color. This is where I want to be and this is where I am now. Okay, yeah, I've got yeah. that. Now, when it comes to the one that I had a high number for before, 
I've lowered that number, not because I don't want it to be as high a quality as it is, because obviously all the work I do is of highest quality, always in before deadline at top-notch rates. Um, <laughs> it's not that, it's just that it uses a lot of my time. Um, I spend a long time on that, so I want to take the number down, not quality-wise, just time-wise. Um, charity work, I'd like to do more. Um, I'd like that to be at an eight. And I want renewable, obviously I want renewable English to be a 10, but I don't like giving 10s because perfection's very difficult. And if I get to a 10, then where will I go? So I've gone for a nine. Hmm, brilliant. So this is a really good activity because you've identified some things where you may want to adjust. It sounds like where you're prioritizing your time and energy and put it into different areas of your life. Have I understood that correctly? absolutely 100% correct without uh yes very much so what we do in a coaching session if we we'd obviously spend a bit more time on this and explore what these things mean in a coaching session it's really important to think about the meaning behind the word for people so what may be the meaning of work to you may be very different to mine so it's important that the people at home doing this activity spend some time to really think about what these things mean and you gave a really good example Harry you broke some things down into different segments because not everything bundled under the word work has the same meaning in fact it fractures out into different areas of your life you then obviously grade it as you do like where you're at where you want to be and then use that to inform what you want to prioritize so where you see something where you're like oh actually this is something I really want to work on maybe it's your charity work for example um this can be then your focus. And then from that, of course, we can have the other ones lined in, but we need to prioritize some things. If we want to make some movement, it's difficult to juggle lots of things at once. So one step at a time, let's think about what you really want to prioritize over the coming few weeks. And then from that, you can really explore on a maybe weekly basis. This is what I do. I look at my vision, like this is what I want to achieve. I want to spend more time in my business, for example, and setting my business up. So I think about what actions will get me towards that vision. Okay. And it's really good to use very specific actions that help move you towards that vision. And the reason why it's good to have a vision is often we can sometimes get bogged down with the things we want to control or stop doing. Um, so for example, oh, I don't. I really any... like that. You mentioned that earlier yeah. um, to work, working towards something rather than stopping something. Now, yeah. In like on a, on a personal level, I think that's a, a, a wonderful way of looking at things. Um, on a, on a, as an environmentalist, I th there are other things we do need to stop some stuff while we're looking to, to get to other things. But yeah, I really like that idea of trying to be better at something at, at you, I guess. Exactly. Not get fixated on the things that, oh, I, I want to stop doing this or I, I want to remove this well, what's the kind of reasoning behind that? Where do you want to be as a result of that? And thinking of the towards and what actions will move you towards that rather than fixating in this little circle of, I can't be this or this isn't working, that kind of thing. That's really important. And doing the wheel of life activity that we just did there is really important setting the vision, what you mm -hmm. want to focus on. And then from there, you can start to build the actions to move you towards it. I like it. So that's that's something that everyone can can do at home. Yeah. Obviously, you know, with a trained professional to help you tell you what actions would help is um is a good idea. But yeah, this idea of um 
Now, you mentioned accountability. Now, I know of some people that, particularly since the, the work from home boom has happened, even a lot of teachers that I know who work online at home, um, they, they find themselves, it's a lot easier to, if they want to, to slack off. You know, so maybe if they don't really want to do enough planning, then maybe they just won't really do it. And it's, they find it easier because there is less, in inverted commas, accountability, even though, you know, you, you bring that upon yourself. So this idea of them having accountability buddies, I've heard of this with, with some, some people do it. Uh, and that is basically someone to say, get off your backside and, and do the thing you said you were going to do. Well, you can't make anybody do anything. I've learned that not from coaching, but from being a manager for a long time. I learned that lesson the hard way very early on. Uh, but really, accountability has to come from oneself. So if you're really wanting to achieve something, how are you going to hold yourself accountable? How are you going to show up for yourself? Does it mean scheduling specific time when you know you work well on something? Um, blocking out time on your calendar, setting a reminder, making sure you've set your kind of desk ready for all that work and blocking off notifications until you achieve a particular goal. Um, it's about really owning that. And, you know, as a coach, I don't, I'm not an accountability partner. I, I encourage my clients to think about how they're gonna hold themselves accountable. Maybe a good example would be um, with my own kind of personal goals. I, I, I work out, um, I, I, I need to work out for my own well-being. It's something I enjoy doing mostly now. But before I found I was getting very stressed and not making enough time to, to do my workouts. And I was kind of in that stressed away space rather than moving towards. So I wanted to work out more. So I had to think about, well, when I'm going to do it, what are my actions? How often am I going to work out? And to hold myself accountable, I made sure that I scheduled specific times, blocked it off and got into a routine. So, you know, that's an example of how I've held myself accountable. And there's little rituals I do before you know, I close the day at the end of the day. So I'm ready in the morning to go straight to the gym. It's the first thing I do. Like before I do anything else, I go straight to the gym. Well, that's cool. My, I just showed you on our Zoom call where my gym is. Um, yeah, I didn't see you. Show me again. I'll show you again now. This is my gym where I go every morning at, at, at six. There we go. Oh, lovely. A home gym. That's great. Well, yeah, for kind of a home gym. It's a, it's... Um, it's actually, it's an upcycled gym, actually. Um, now I'm trying to figure out how to turn the camera back around and I'm failing miserably. Um, this is hilarious. It's as if I've never used Zoom before. Um, <laughs> so the other, I, as you know, I don't like to see things go to waste. Um, I try to encourage people I know to, to use things as much as possible, not throw things away. Um, but there's something lovely that people do here in Spain. Is it lovely? I'm not sure. I think it's lovely. When someone doesn't want something anymore, then maybe you don't take it to the charity shop. They leave it next to the bin. Um, and everything that's on my, um, my, my balcony home gym, I found in bins. So there's, a, there's an exercise bike there. There's a bunch of pot plants out there, a few succulents. There's, a, there's a, one of those rollers for your, for your back. There's, and oh, nice. That's a lie. I did get the yoga mat. I did get the yoga mat. That was, okay. um, I got that. But yeah, so everything there. But yeah, every morning when Good I get finds. up, that's my that's my go to spot. And then I actually go to another thing I found in the bin, which is a coffee grinder. Yeah, really cool, like seventies looking coffee grinder. One where it still works even if the lid isn't on. 
you know the ones you know the finger cutters that yeah. definitely oh, are not legal anymore <laughs> um so then I go to that and I have my, my coffee so that's my morning routine um oh, that's lovely but after that my level of accountability is quite pretty poor um I I I, I frit between I like that I'm a freelancer because it means I've got a lot of flexibility to to go between tasks, but I'm also, you know, I have to be there for lessons at certain times um, and for training sessions at certain times. So it's it's nice that, but yeah, my making myself accountable, I'm not, I'm not great at that. Mm. It is quite challenging, isn't it? But if you're in a situation where something's not serving you yeah. and you, you're not particularly enjoying how you're approaching your work or um I, I don't want to put words into your mouth but if it's not serving you I think that's a, a good thing to kind of reflect on and think about well what do you want it to look like do well yeah because I do change? like it I really oh, like I it because it feels fun to do but then I think I look at it and think it's not the best way to do it you probably shouldn't do it that way but as I'm the boss and I get to do whatever I exactly. want um it so it is a stage of thinking it's a bit like, now I'm using a give up thing here. Um, it's a bit like people who say, I know I should give up smoking. Mm, you know, I know I should. It's, it's like, you know, I know I should maybe do this in a slightly different way, but as it's mm-hmm. going, things are just about ticking by. So yeah, I think that that goal setting and, and I think it's, this is so easily transferable to our classrooms, to our classes, to our students. Um, mm this idea of setting a goal and and trying to to help your students reach that goal and now one of the things i see from teachers a lot of the time is here in spain especially um my impact my daughter's teacher who is a word that i'm not allowed to use on it um all just 100 blames students uh. um, and puts all blame on students and there is zero accountability on her but she's teaching the students that they have the accountability to pass an exam, for example, and then if they fail, it's their fault entirely. Um, so I think bringing these ideas, these accountability ideas into teaching would be super useful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think a lot of teachers are probably doing it anyway, and also acting as a role model for their students too. I think it's really powerful when you share with students what you're working on as a teacher, maybe what areas that you're developing, or even for leaders as well. Um, to talk about what they're working on and developing and pain points that they may experience in their work and what they're trying to do about it and how they're holding themselves accountable and what their learning looks like. That can be really inspiring for your students um, or or your team, uh, depending on what context you work in. Exactly. Amazing. Um, I feel like you have now sat with me over the last two days for about two hours now that yeah. is more than anybody's <laughs> like fair dose i like over to over over 24 hours no, hang on. yeah 25 hours um yeah. you've spent at least you know about eight percent of that with me so that's not fair on you it's it's not fair on, on anyone to be honest so i'm gonna say thank you very much for for your time for your insight of um the difference between the the four different areas but also how we can integrate um, some of these important aspects of coaching into our teaching. So a huge thank you for coming along today. Oh, it's, it's been a pleasure. And thanks for being on the podcast as well for TSOFOP. I appreciate your time too. Nah, it's fine. It's nothing. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, and it's always a pleasure speaking to you. Um, 
there will be more details. I've just pointed down like I'm on a YouTube video. Uh, there will be more details in the description box below, as you can all see me pointing at, obviously. Um, and yeah, this will be released very soon. So do listen, listen again for all those top tips. Make your own wheel of life. Um, get a vision. And yeah, can, uh, do you have any final words of wisdom? Um, Laura, you, you don't have to if you don't want to, but there is the option. Oh, I think I think it's just uh, to encourage people to consider researching coaching more and exploring it because I think it can bring quite a lot to them and also their students. Wonderful. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for being here. And um, I will be back very, very soon um, speaking to you about more wonderful things from the world of ELT. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.